It's not just O oh, the Anthem 365, it's O oh, the Anthem 365 Cloud now. This is Corey and this is the O oh, the Anthem podcast. Good afternoon, everybody. It's Rob. <laughs> Welcome to episode 365 of the O oh, the Anthem podcast. Coming to you from the hashtag OTA LA Studios, high above the 110 freeway in downtown Los Angeles, California. Thank you for joining us. You don't like my timely Microsoft Office reference? Is that what it was? Yeah. Okay, I wasn't very sure. Well, if you don't enjoy that, maybe you'll enjoy anchor.fm forward slash the anthem where you can find the audio version of this podcast wherever you listen to it. So the good news for uh, you true O The Anthem fans, we now, as of this week, have enough for you to listen to a new and different show every single day of the year. Yes. You could start out tomorrow. Well, tomorrow you're going to listen to 365. The day after that, you listen to one and you listen to one new listen, one every single listen day. Listen in the back back order, like Whole 365, 364, 63. And then uh, that math doesn't really work out because when you get back around... To this time next year, you would be uh, you'd be like fifty behind. I mean, to be fair, we have an episode zero too. That's also true. Although I don't know, is it publicly available? Because it shouldn't be. <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> oh no. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I think was, that, I think that's the only one of the really old episodes that is still publicly. It's available. not the uh, usual quality content you get uh, <laughs> on these episodes. Although the topics, go ahead and check it out and see our shine. <laughs> that topic's basically the same, uh, but. Uh, that was the one we shot in my apartment in Denton, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Just before uh, going down to the pub. Yeah. Oh, Maryland. I you, miss you. Look at, the, look at the point where Rob radicalizes during the podcast. <laughs> See, that'll be, uh, there's going to be a fun exercise where uh, I slowly but surely move further left. And so does Corey, where Corey has ended up where I started on the podcast five, <laughs> six, seven years ago, and I, I have moved to the radical left. I don't know if I'm there. I think I'm more like where you were in college. <laughs> I think I've gotten to that point. So you're a George Bush, uh, uh, George W. Bush, compassionate conservative now. Maybe, yeah. That's because that's where I was. <laughs> Wherever... We're, that part of the Republican Party doesn't exist anymore, so <laughs> I think that we're okay. I was going to say, I think you went from Goldwater to a Bush Republican, and I went from a Bush Republican to a Marxist. I don't know exactly how that works out, but uh, let me see. If I do the math in my head, uh, it's uh, if you carry the one, um, $3.6 billion in global commerce shut down in six days. That's yeah. about what uh, I, I would equal, uh, which is funny enough. This same amount of global commerce shut down um, when you shut down the Suez Canal. Accidentally. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. Uh, so the funny thing about uh, doing a show once a week and uh, having weird news stories that seem to take up way bigger percentages of the news than it should. Mm hmm. But then wrap this up. is like a hurricane. Yeah. But, <laughs> but also it's as if we found out about the hurricane Tuesday then the hurricane came, decimated the entire world economy, and it was also gone before yeah. we get back to do another <laughs> show. And you're like, oh, yeah, so you guys were talking about this thing, and we feel like we should talk about it, but also uh, the boat got cleared today. So yeah. uh, although the canal is not fully open, it will be very shortly. There, there has been times where I've thought about, like, maybe we should create like some sort of emergency podcast, like... I mean, we want to do it for this. This isn't yeah. really like the, the big, Suez Canal. Is not yeah, a huge crisis. Not, I mean, it's not like a breaking news for our purposes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but like when Trump got COVID, I think that happened on like a Thursday. Yeah. So we were like right in the middle of episodes. So we could have done an immediate like Trump got COVID. Uh, but then the problem is that like there's no it, any process of a, us podcasting takes several hours. To, like, yeah. <laughs> also, I don't think that you would have approved of me calling that Death Watch 2020, which is really where <laughs> I would have wanted to go with it. Uh, 
There's an old SNL skit of uh, Tom Brokaw recording all the deaths of yeah, people yeah. before. Uh, <laughs> In I case just... they needed to go to... <laughs> In case somebody all of a sudden died and he's just like, Henry Kissinger died today. <laughs> Do you want your weekend backup announcing that Henry Kissinger died? <laughs> I no, guess I guess not. you're right. Yeah, I guess you're right. Okay. Uh, get back to it. Um, yeah, and so, here we are. Henry Kissinger is still alive. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, he is. Uh, so uh, here's the funny thing also. Uh, everybody knew about the story and everybody I asked. I was like, well, yeah, you know how that started. And they were like, oh, well, actually, no. I, I don't know. Uh, the, the guy, the boat, he wrecked it. I'm like, okay, no. Uh, didn't wreck the boat. Not a bad driver. Uh, what happened is that. This isn't uh, an Exxon Valdez situation. It's not. Uh, it's also not that cruise ship where the drunk guy yeah. <laughs> tilted it over. You remember that? Um, but uh, what happened is that there were high winds across the Sinai, which are likely to happen for on occasion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what they usually do is they shut down the canal. But uh, for those of you in Maryland, like Corey and I, you'll know that the Bay Bridge has a speed at which they shut down the bridge. Yeah. And I believe that it's 49 miles an hour. Winds of 49 miles an hour. Bridge shut down completely. Yeah. Or no, I'm sorry. Winds of 50 miles an hour. Bridge shut down completely. 49 miles an hour. Still open. Uh, but... Cautious, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'll tell you that if you're driving in a car, 49, 50, don't feel that different. Yeah. and uh, Especially so, if it's a sudden gust of 49. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, and, and the uh, the bridge is uh, sustained at 50 miles an hour. So yeah. it's like you get a gust of 65 in the midst of a 45-mile-an-hour wind. It, it's pretty hard. And uh, Suez Canal, like many waterways, also has a, a maximum wind. Uh, so if it's a crosswind, it can only be at a certain um, a certain speed or they have to shut down the canal. But you get those gusts and uh, things get crazy. And as I said, sometimes a 49 mile an hour wind when the limit is 50, you don't really tell the difference because it's still a stiff wind. Yeah. And it blew the ship, a gust and a, a push of wind blew the ship into the side, which is how it ended up stuck. The other thing is it's really hard to slow and turn those ships. So when it hits the ground, it then pushes itself aground, and the rear end of the ship turns slightly to block the entire canal. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I do point this out from week on to week. If you guys watch from episode 1 to 365, you'll hear me mention this before, but uh, the, the tweet of the week or the meme of the week uh, is uh, all of us have had a fuck-up. I mean, we've all, we've all had fuck-ups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But very few of us have had visible from space fuck-ups. <laughs> and uh, I just uh, love the... Uh, like, the, you can't see the one boat in the canal from space unless you they yeah. zoom in, but you can see the pileup of boats on both ends of the canal. Like, which is great. Like, uh, uh, I remember once we had to redo the uh, parking spaces at at the restaurant, and one of them, it like it, the the original marking wasn't there very well, so we tried to guess exactly where <laughs> it was, and it led to like one space that was like an inch or two wider than the one right next to it. Yeah, and it caused so much, so many problems. And, uh, you know, that was a fuck up, but nobody's looking at like satellite pictures of our fuck. Yeah. <laughs> going like, this is ruining the economy. <laughs> like- and, uh, <laughs> no matter how bad that was, the guy who drove into the side of the restaurant can't blame <laughs> the spot that's across the parking lot for that. Uh, yeah. but, um, yeah. So uh, another funny thing I heard this week is just like, uh, what, well, here you go. Another one. All of the, the, le- all of the left is jumping out and talking about how capitalism so easily collapses, but it's not like Karl Marx actually envisioned this. And then we found a writing where Karl Marx actually said, if a great interruption in commerce, like in parentheses, the shutdown of the Suez Canal, <laughs> and he's like, oh, so I guess Marx did really envision, envision this. Um, but uh, 
I, so I said three point six billion. It's, it's like the only thing he could have guessed that would have still been relevant today. Yeah, honestly, can you, it, can you imagine like <laughs> if he was just like, it all comes down to <laughs> to big gramophone. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, yeah, if exactly. gramophone falls, then everything else is bullshit. And then you're just like, wait a minute. <laughs> um, but I, I said 3.8 billion. Maybe this Marx guy ain't so smart. <laughs> well, I mean, even of his time, it would have been fine. Even the you know the Trotskys. The gramophone probably came out after him, didn't it? I would say so. so that would probably be right? actually more impressive. I mean, honestly, if he was just like, at one point we'll be able to record our voice and uh, have it speak back to you. And some at some point we'll have indoor electricity and no more gas powered lamps. And it's just like, look at this fucking idiot. No, no. To be fair, though, uh, Mark started in Russia and they still don't have those things. So <laughs> true. He, he wouldn't look like so much of a profit there, I don't think. Uh, and I, I said three point eight billion at the beginning of this, which uh, was a joke because it is far greater than that. Uh, the impact on commerce. Um, and y- you might be asking yourself, like, well, what's the big deal? And. I honestly uh, went the other way. I was like, oh, my God, this is a travesty. It's causing so much of an interruption. They were good on Marx's life. 1883 is when he died. Yes. So So that would have been just prior to. So he died and three short years later, Natty Bo came into existence. Oh, yes. Uh, Which is the land of pleasant living. Kind of like the phoenix of the. (laughs) Well, and and to be fair, Marx, uh, thank God he didn't live uh, till 1886 because he would have felt as though he needed to move. To Baltimore, right, in order to live in the land of pleasure. To be a living. national bohemian, yes, yes of yeah, course. yeah. Why wouldn't you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I had this picture in my head that, like, if you cut through the Suez Canal, you're turning a, um, you know, a, a 14 day trip into a two day trip. And I'm like, this is just unbelievable. It's it's crazy. But these boats have been sitting out there for seven days now, eight days, and it turns out it's a six day trip. Like at full speed, you save six days. So if this boat had gone sideways and you'd been like, eh, if you'd been like my dad and been like, Rob, we're going to find our own way. It is yeah. like head off down the side of the coast of Africa. You'd already be in Europe by now. But instead you're like, yeah, you're like my mom. Well, let's just wait it out. Let's just wait and see. And, uh, you know, uh, hours later, cursing at everybody. Well, not cursing because my mother doesn't yeah. curse. But like, uh, gee, Willikers, traffic, <laughs> whatever uh, the Christian version of a curse word is. <laughs> And uh, so it's it's it saves you six days, and yeah. I get six days is a long time, until you've been sitting there for six days, and now you have to sit for extra days till they open, and then more days until it's actually your turn in line to go. So I don't know. It feels like it's a little dumb. My favorite part about this is it's a boat. So yeah. people have like people. I think most people have had some sort of experience on some sort of boat, like. Whether it be like a ferry that takes you to Staten Island or something like that, or mm-hmm. like you actually go out and fish on a boat or whatever, so I, I think most people have had some experience on a boat, and oh, I was therefore they that. think that anything that happens to this boat, they can use their prior boat knowledge to apply, and it's just like I, I like watching people get frustrated when they're just like, uh, well, if it's stuck, why don't we start loading off things from the from the boat so then we can like. It'll be easier to move. And it's yeah. like, oh, but it's still very, very heavy, even with all the stuff off of it. And it's not like we could just gingerly move it out of the way. It's like, oh, well, why don't we get another boat to tow the first boat out? It's like, well, there's no boat that's capable. of, yeah. real, And the problems are much deeper than that. And then at that point, people have come up with uh, gotten to the end of their ideas. And they're just like, well, I guess the boat's fucking stuck. Then is it? <laughs> <laughs> like. Uh, I just uh, like there's not somebody who's like more boat knowledgeable than them who's like 
that working the problem <laughs> that, and, wor- that yeah. works on the Suez Canal and knows like how they're gonna get through this. Uh, I mm-hmm. uh, two interesting things from this story. One, uh, I love that uh, in the uh, the documentary we just watched yesterday. Damn, oh, uh, the QAnon. Yeah, the QAnon documentary yeah. had a moment where it was like, "I'm on a boat." We haven't <laughs> heard that song in so long, and then it's like Suez Canal and that thing happened in the same week. That's great. Also, uh, Suez Canal has never been closed. Yeah. Before now. And other than sporadically. And I would say and see that was that was the point. It's like I thought to myself, like, wait, that can't be true. But the fact is that it wasn't closed. It was just there were Egyptians and Israelis firing across the canal at each other. And some very smart boat captains were like, we're going to let you kids uh, settle this thing out. And yeah. then, then we'll come down the canal. But it, uh, this is the first time that is actually like fully closed for an extended period of time. So. Uh, sad news, but it's over and the boat's out and, uh, global commerce and capitalism will survive. Maybe <laughs> until the next boat gets stuck in the zone. <laughs> and, uh, now, uh, as I talked about last week, uh, my group of, uh, black clad people in the South with the, the, uh, burning the, uh, hammer and sickles mm. and the, the North remembers idea. Number two, we just start pushing boats into the side of the Suez canal <laughs> And eventually, the the whole global economic system will collapse. And then my retirement plan will really come into play, which is, of course, to not have a retirement plan and just wait for the global economic <laughs> Hover <collapse>. boats. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, more uh, close to home, I suppose, for us, maybe not for all of you, uh, but there is another battle brewing. That battle, of course, between nature and man. And, <laughs> by the way, nature one, uh, man zero. Uh, and I guess for now, man conciliatory goal because we got the boat unstuck. I think it would have been really funny if just at that moment the wind blew and just regrounded it right above. <laughs> like, Fuck you guys. <laughs> gets stuck and then gets jammed in the other direction. Oh my God, just floats the other way. Um, but a very man made uh, situation happening here in LA uh, with, uh, I don't want to call it an emergency. Because there's nothing about this that is an emergency. So what this is, is uh, L.A. has a government that is very liberal. I'm going to use air quotes. Government. Yeah. You know what my favorite part about L.A. government is? Is that we have the city council and everyone thinks that's like the most important thing. And then we also have the county board of supervisors, which like nobody knows. Do you know your county board of supervisor? Do you know? Yeah, no. <laughs> Producer Roberto has no idea. I don't know. I'm very t- in touch with politics. Have no fucking clue. I- I'm not and then these are the people way. who actually run Los Angeles. Yeah. It's just, yeah, like, yeah. It's just like we have like a show government just, just for fun. Like uh, where all the corruption happens and stuff. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> just for fun where all the corruption happens. It's like the days of our lives version of the government for... <laughs> It, like the board of supervisors is the news. Yeah. And then yeah. you got days of our lives with Garcetti and well, how about this? Weezer uh, and stuff like that. The city council is the Tucker Carlson, the <laughs> Bill O'Reilly of the Fox News network that is uh, government in California. Garcetti walks into an incredibly well-lit room. <laughs> and he's just like, well, clearly my closest advisor will never get in any kind of trouble touching somebody's butt. It's just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Mayor, I hate to inform you this, but there's this picture right here of him touching somebody's butt and you standing right next to him with a big two thumbs up <laughs> smiling. So perhaps we have a problem. Um, Photoshop. It's Photoshop. <laughs> Clearly. I'm a one thumb up, thumb up man. 
Um, <laughs> so uh, the L.A. government, uh, hopelessly liberal as it is, is uh, trying to find a place for the ever-expanding number of homeless people who are living on the streets uh, during this pandemic. Uh, now, we're a full year into this, so you'd imagine that there had been a lot of progress made, but uh, from my eye, there's just as many people on the streets as there was before, uh, if not more. Yes. Um, and specifically, though, in Echo Park, it's almost a self-made problem because yeah. there was apparently planned renovations, which nobody knew about until the day they were going to start doing the renovations. Right. But again... I get, but renovations based off of fixing the thing that homeless people broke. Yes. Like that's the the planned renovation. Like like for months now, homeless people have been destroying Echo Park and they're like, we're going to have to fix all this at some point, but so we can't now. do it while the homeless are in the park. And it's just like, all right, well, it'll be six months from now. And like a deadline. It just it pops up. It's like, fuck, that's today. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> Call honestly, the LAPD. We need to kick some people out of the park. It feels a little <laughs> bit like it snuck up on them. And they were like, oh, shit. Yeah. We said we were going to do that today. How and, many people are out of the None of them? Fuck us. <laughs> uh, also feels a little bit like somebody in November said, this thing will be way over by March. Yeah. It won't be a problem. And then we forgot about that, too. And it's like, oh, COVID's still happening. Lots of homeless still in the park. Also, we totally forgot. So let's go throw up some... Uh, uh, some barriers, garage sale, <laughs> fucking posters on some trees, and then put the barriers up. We'll be fine. <laughs> we Nobody will notice. It'll we only great. need to give them two hours notice. Uh, so, narrator, it, here's the, people noticed. <laughs> here's the problem. Uh, it's it's not that uh, I think that the the politicians are uh, not trying to fix the homeless problem in some sort of way mm-hmm. it's just they're not capable of doing it the way that either they or the constituents want them to right well and so you say the constituents but there's not one way that all well and the that's constituents the want. that's the problem yeah. like you know like we have a uh, project room key right now which mm-hmm. is a state-run program which basically gives hotel rooms to uh homeless people for a predetermined rate to the hotel so uh, hotels are not very busy right now because not a lot of people, not a lot of tourists are traveling into L.A. like they normally would. Let's put a pin in that one. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, up until spring break. <laughs> uh, but the uh, there are a lot of rooms available. So the state was basically buying the rooms to house homeless people in during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So they weren't on the street. Some homeless people uh, do not want to be involved in Project Room Key for various reasons. Uh, some of them... Uh, are worried about being like sort of like in control of the government kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, there's also some who are uh, having some mental instability issues and therefore uh, do not know <laughs> like they can trust these people. Uh, there's been a lot of mistrust that's happened between the homeless community and the city before. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, we're going to put you in this place. And then all of a sudden you're not in that place anymore. And you're your keen spot right on the lake is no longer available. Yeah, and you're on Skid Row amongst a bunch of other people. Right. And then there's also the nobody wants to pay for any amount of homeless uh, care, and nobody wants to uh, have it in their backyard. Yep. Nobody wants to have a homeless shelter in their in their neighborhood. And I mean, uh, I mean, keep in mind for some of these people, too, they are vets uh, with PTSD. And I know uh, this is cliche, and I'm, I'm going to say it anyway, but uh, some of those people literally, like, they don't like to be indoors. Yeah. Like, uh, it, more of a Vietnam thing, I think, than really uh, uh, Iraq or Afghanistan thing. But 
again, I know some people who like came back home from being in Iraq or Afghanistan and camped out in their backyard for months after they got back. Yeah. Because they're like, I'm inside. I hear the refrigerator tick on and I'm rolling out of bed and knocking my wife out onto the floor and like covering her up. Like, cause it sounds like a mine that's triggered and about to go off. Yeah. You're like click. And so there are some people who just never got over that. And being outside is the most peaceful that they can be. And I mean, that's really the problem is, you know, take how many homeless people we have in this world, you know, <laughs> just to make it a round number. Mm-hmm. Let's say it was 10,000. We well, have 10,000 different is- solutions to homelessness at the same time. Like, it's not like one solution is going to fix all the homeless people in the world. It's going to take just as many solutions as there is homeless people. And that's hard to strategically get past you know like well listen we can find a really easy way to get a round number let's figure out how many empty houses there are in the united states right now yeah and divide that by six because there's enough for every homeless person in the united states to have six houses that's how many empty houses we have because capitalism is awesome yeah we'd rather have empty houses and people sleeping on the street well the 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 point that's being missed there is that not that there are just empty houses but they are there are houses that are not being occupied necessarily even by the person who lives, who owns it. Yes. You know, like yeah. uh, I, if I had three homes, I only live in one of them at a time. That means two of my homes are not occupied, but they're also not like I mean, vacant. That, I'm not even counting like not those. Yeah. yeah. The, the six to one is homes that have, are owned by a bank because they took it from somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, also that family may be homeless at this point, who knows, uh, or was built and is owned by the construction company. There are literally entire neighborhoods in some places in the country where the neighborhood's empty because they built 40 houses, never sold any of them. Yeah. Now they just sit there <laughs> falling down. And, but, and I know not everybody is set for that, but there's a, probably a, a high percentage of people that if you said, listen, I'm going to give you this house. Don't mess it up and whatever improvements you make, if you meet some certain standards, you get to keep the house. You got people would be like, what? Uh, Okay, great. And set about to making a little homestead and just do it. But again, capitalism. So we can't do that. Well, I mean, there's people who want to buy the houses who (laughs) are trying to. Oh, are there? Yeah. Are there? Is that why there's six empty houses for every person? I'm not everywhere in LA specifically. There is a housing. There's a lack of housing, even for the people who have money who want to purchase the houses. That's not specifically LA. Uh, I mean, I would say that, that listen, there's homeless populations in Dallas and in uh, St. Augustine, Florida and Tampa in Baltimore, all places where there are a lot of empty houses. Oh yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying the one, right. I'm saying like, if you want, to you know transport your la homeless to kansas where there's more open houses than you could but then hypothetically you're just transplanting people from the place they want to be to some place they don't and i'm not i'm not for that but i i would say that to look at local populations san francisco not the place that you know housing is not available there la housing's not available new york housing not available um but there are places where that is a solution yeah uh one in la is the tiny houses which we talked about before uh, which people also protest, despite the fact that they are on completely unused and unwanted land by the freeway. Well, the other problem, too, and this is this is one that I feel like uh, doesn't get talked about enough, but has there's been clear evidence of it happening. 
uh, in the past. And I think it's happening way more than people realize, which is other cities shipping us their homeless people. Yeah. Because they're like, we have a skid row where all the homeless people go. So if we just put them on a bus, they'll find their way to skid row and they'll just live there rather than Orange County. For the cost of a Greyhound ticket from Phoenix to... uh Los right, Angeles. and and uh, I think Vegas got in trouble with this, sending them to San Francisco once, mm-hmm. uh, and had to pay like a huge government fine for basically just dropping a bunch of homeless people from a bus in the middle of San Francisco and said, "Have fun." Like, yeah, or uh, painting a school bus with like "Greyhound" misspelled on the side. <laughs> <laughs> like, who wants a free trip? <laughs> who wants to ride the Silver Dog? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so. Uh, all jokes aside, uh, nights and nights of violence, uh, protesters being uh, tear gassed by police. And you may have thought to yourself, Listen, having bright light shined in their faces and stuff like that, too. All the all the great LAPD tactics that after everything that happened in 2020, after a portion of the police budget was going to be set aside for social workers at the first opportunity to use non-police intervention by yeah. social workers and making it a good community-focused transition, the LA government chose to send out the LAPD with riot police and tear gas. Yeah. So, yeah, that's... I uh, mean, <laughs> at the end of it all, the real problem here is that they picked the worst possible way to do this. Like, almost anything they would have chose could have been better. But it it was just compounding mistake on top of compounding mistake. And it seems like everyone was completely unprepared for anyone to be upset about it. Like that, that that's the part that like like Mitch O'Farrell is the council member for that specific area for the Echo Park area. Yeah. And, you know, he keeps trying to put out these statements talking about like, no, for the last year, we've had people going into the park trying to do the outreach. And it's just like. Yeah, but they haven't been successful because you don't have the rooms to immediately put them in. Yeah. So now you create this D-Day where everyone's got to be out of the park and you get, you know, a large majority of the people who are in the park to accept the project room key thing to get them out of the park. If you give me a key right now. Yeah. If you give me a key and transport me right there, I will do it. I'm not going to do this like I'm going to leave the park and five weeks from now I'm going to show up at the (laughs) L.A. Grand Hotel. Yeah. The, The worst part is like, you know, now you have a situation where you have. 20 people who are like, I'm not leaving. You can't make me leave unless you force the cops to evict me. Yeah. And then they're going to go to the cops because that's their option. And then people are upset because cops are coming in and taking out homeless encampments at the park. Yeah. And people who are upset about the homeless people in the park are upset that now this has become such a big fucking shit show. (laughs) And like, you know, it's like nobody is happy. Literally nobody is happy. Uh, Mitch O'Farrell is desperately trying to throw out like, you know, like, no, we've been trying to help them. We've been trying to help them. And they're just like, fuck you, killer. Like, <laughs> the whole thing has gotten really, like, heated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, I haven't heard a fucking word from Garcetti on this. Like, Yeah, I, I mean, is he still on furlough? I just feel like sometimes <laughs> I, I forgot that we put him on furlough. He might still be on furlough. Garcetti's, sure. Garcetti's whole job is just coming by and telling us the bad news <laughs> like a stepdad we don't like. It's like (laughs) Newsom's like, hey, guess what? April 15th, everyone over 16 gets a vaccine. And then Garcetti like pokes his head and he's just like, you ain't getting no fucking vaccine. (laughs) (laughs) I don't got vaccine money. Is that a stepdad? (laughs) I guess so, because the real dad's the fun guy. He's like Disneyland, right? Gavin Newsom's the fun dad. He's like, uh, like, what? You want some money? And like Garcetti's like, they're expecting things now. Stop doing this. So maybe it's uh maybe Garcetti then is uh mom. And so like Newsom's like, guys, vaccines, the fifteenth, and then the fifteenth comes and we're all sitting there like 
where's my vaccine? And Greg said he has to be like, I told you not to get your hopes up. He always lets you down. Why'd you promise him a tickle me Elmo? <laughs> I just, uh, I like the image of uh, Gavin Newsom sewn into the suits. Yeah. Very good looking. Who's, uh, you know. He's got these custom track suits with like the white bear. Like, I don't know what it is about uh, governor wear that has escalated in this last year. Like, because Hogan does this, too. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. Hogan wears, like, a uh, like a, a Maryland, like, track suit with, like, the hat that looks like it's, like, paramilitary Maryland. Yep. 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 <laughs> it's like, I'm the head of the Maryland National Guard. Here's my hat. Like. Technically, he is. Oh, I know. But I'm what? saying, like, you know, it's like you had a special hat commissioned for the, for uh. the occasion. And then Newsom's walking around with, like, his, like his loungewear with the white bear it's like it's official california i don't know if you know i'm a, you know i kind of want it i'm not i'm not gonna lie it's a good looking jacket i, I so uh the other do i have thing, to become governor for this do i get my name in the recall election is this how we do it well uh as i say you just have to get saint to get the jacket and then you know write on it in blood uh and then pay a thousand just call up brooks brothers and yeah, have them make me fun. one too it'll be fine um but uh, I was going to say the uh, another fun thing that happened this week is uh, the thing, the viral uh, thing that went around about a guy's like, you think Texas is a bunch of crazy people? Go to Maryland. They put the damn flag on everything. Everything's about how awesome Maryland is. And it ain't that awesome. And the flag ain't really that great. I know you love it. Oh, and it's how fine. dare you? But, uh, it's a it's a peacemaking between slave owners and uh, abolitionists. Listen, if we go back far enough in United States history, everything is, is like, is, is a, I, I'm, listen, the stars and stripes are a I, signal for war crimes and uh, genocide. I'm I, down with it. Let's throw that out. I got an idea for you. Red, uh, red background. All I'm saying. White hammer and sickle and one big blue star. How do you feel about all that? All I'm saying is if we change the flag tomorrow, it's not going to get rid of the racism. The flag will still be... The flag will be new, but the racism remains. Like I, I the, already <laughs> outlined my plan to deal with the racism, Corey, and you didn't like that either. So I don't know what else I can do. Uh, one thing I know we is not going to work is taking this entire thing to Minnesota and putting it on trial. Because uh, there's a bit of a show trial going on right now, if I do say so myself, uh, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where Derek Sh- Derek? Derek, yeah, Chauvin, Derek Chauvin um, who is the officer who uh, is charged with the most serious crimes against... Uh, uh, in the case of George Floyd, is now on trial. Uh, today, officially, trial began. Um, the uh, opening statements were had. The first witness was called, who was the 911 operator. Tip-top professional witness mm-hmm. could not lead off a case with a better witness outlining the timeline, when, when and where everything happened, giving a point of view of, I saw the CAD notes. I was watching a video of the live feed. I was reacting EMS, fire, police. I had my finger in everything. And then when she was done, they called a girl in sweatpants and an Arizona t-shirt. And I said, I'm done. I'm going to work today. <laughs> this, is, this is where it's all going to fall apart. Yeah. I, but you, I, you pointed out later, there was a reason that they called her next. Well, yeah, she she filmed a video and, and they need video. to get the video into evidence. <laughs> so they need to call her to the stand. Yeah. But it, uh, the point I was trying to make to Rob, and this is this is kind of the silly lawyer stuff you don't understand if you've never been around a courthouse like this, where if there's a big trial and you know it's going to take a while and maybe it has some media attention. They'll start talking about how long the journalists think the trial will be. Eight weeks. Eight week be, trial. It's going to be an eight week trial. 
And then the lawyers will start saying to themselves, oh, man, I got to fill eight weeks worth of <laughs> like now all of a sudden the media has made the mandate. This is going to be a long trial. So we're going to extend it because there's no reason to really like I was watching a little bit of of the uh, woman at the Speedway with yeah. the Arizona shirt. Yeah. Uh, doing her thing. And like it literally could have been five questions. It yes. could have been. Did you take this video? You saw the event happen. Uh, you work at that Speedway. You continued to watch the things that happened after the fact. Uh, when you left work that day, things were still going on. Thank you very much for your service. <laughs> have a good day. <laughs> like, and honestly, I based on the summary I have seen of her testimony, yeah, literally it's two questions. Yeah. I'm going to show you what's been marked as State Exhibit 138. Can you identify that for me? Oh, yeah, it's a video I shot with my cell phone. Thank you. No further questions. <laughs> Well, oh, maybe sorry, you, no, maybe uh, you want to have the that... date and time. When was the date? Uh, the date of that? Yeah, and then maybe you want to have the. They did ask her a question about like the uh, corresponding video that showed her shooting a video, oh, and it okay, says like, yes. "So is this video from the uh, surveillance camera that shows that the time is 11 a.m.? Uh, is that you in this video taking a video, taking the video that we just saw?" And it's just like, "Yes, that's me." It's like. That helps place her specifically at that moment, so that would be beneficial for the prosecution. But the yes, especially if as uh, I didn't know that, and I mm. suggest now that there is going to be a three D composite of the scene. There was a three. They 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 later. Uh, so it wasn't a three D composite. Uh, it like was a three D video of what happened. <laughs> it was a Google Map satellite image okay. of the area right above, like a a sort of three D rendering of the area. Yes. Marking the different locations. So and it's just like, and you were standing right here and there's an arrow and it's like there will be a composite video then. Yeah. Of like this allows us to move around in 3D space to where everyone was and what they were doing. Because what they want to establish is we from every built this angle. composite yeah. from this video, this video, and this video. We've shown you on all the videos where the people were. Like, when she shot the video, there's the security camera. On the security camera, there's her. Yeah. This other third video, this is how we built our composite. Uh, so I bet you were going to see, like, a... Uh, here's where the officer, like, looks over, and he can clearly see the yeah. knee on the neck and did nothing about it. Yeah. Um, the reason I called it a show trial. Uh, is not because it's not justice being done. There absolutely seems like everyone is doing their job. But uh, my first suggestion to you, uh, or maybe yours to me, but was just that uh, we have the same idea that but the defense is going for, I need one holdout. Yeah. I need a mistrial or a hung jury, one or the other. Yeah. I don't think I'm ever going to walk out of here with 12 saying he's not guilty. Right. But if I can hang him... Uh, they're looking at Baltimore and saying, like, if we can hang this one and we can hang the next one or get mistrials on one of these. And then the state starts thinking, like, how many times are we going to go through this? Well, not only that, but like how many times are we going to display our argument for the. the uh, I mean, in a case like this, oh, I would welcome a mistrial or a hung jury because I got a whole crack at the apple on the house. Yep. I saw their entire case. So either they're going to restructure their case for the second time around to help fill in the gaps that the jury didn't find mm -hmm. they hit, but the defense gets the chance to do the same thing. This did not work. Let's not, let's not do this again. Like they, it's more beneficial for the defense to have a second crack at it than the prosecution. You think that, yeah, but it's actually not really because generally speaking, a defense is based on statements given by people mm -hmm. and you can't change your statement, which kind of locks you into a story. Yeah. But the state builds cases on, multiple points so if uh if this bridge falls then we have this one over yeah what was her name the uh 
Arizona t-shirt girl. Oh, I have no idea. Maya, Angel. It was something. <laughs> but if uh, the next time Ruby. around. If the next time around, they choose just not to call her. Yeah. That's a whole different wild wild card for the defense that they have to like, all right, well, we were prepared to, to dispute this video and why it doesn't show what it shows. And that was a cornerstone of our case. Now that's completely disrupted. But you can't say that uh, Derek Chauvin's motivations changed. Yeah. You know, the cornerstone of a defense is generally something that is not in the hands of the state, but the state can literally just... Try and uh, poke uh, holes in it. Yeah, yeah. But they also build their case on whatever the, the bountiful evidence around or... They choose not to, to show things. Uh, the um, Oh, the guy who's on his fifth trial now, sixth trial now? Oh, Keith Davis. Keith Davis yeah. is that, where it's like what we found out is they had all of the facts from the sixth trial at the first trial. Yeah. They chose what they wanted to show. They also didn't tell the defense, <laughs> They which also is the didn't problem. allow discovery. Yes. Uh, now, the part of it is you have to give everything over, and the sculptory stuff is stuff is problematic. Also, but. between the first trial and the fifth trial, some of the officers uh, that were involved in the first trial are no longer squeaky clean <laughs> enough to yes. testify in the fifth trial. Yeah. So the entire story has kind of changed a little bit. But right, and that's when the defense can get an advantage. Yeah. Cops don't look as clean. Exculpatory evidence is found. That kind of stuff. But otherwise, the state can do that. They can say we have five possible ways of the, of him being guilty. Yeah. So what we're going to do is try this one hung jury or a mistrial great go with number two and then you have in your head like all right this is what they're going to sell this is what the story they're telling and then they come out of left field with something completely new and you're like all right so we're going to play this on the fly so i find that the best the best thing for the defense is we're looking for the wearing them down and yeah. just saying like how much is the public going to take of these four people i think are charged in total mm -hmm. four people being charged and failed, charged or uh, tried and failed, tried and failed. And, I um, I imagine I imagine part of the reason why they put Chauvin up first though is because either you're going to get some quick pleas from the rest of them if he's found guilty, yeah. or they're probably going to try and let the whole thing go quietly if Chauvin is uh, found not guilty. Because yeah. I mean that's really the centerpiece of this whole thing. I mean if you look at it from a thousand yard view, I don't see how you could possibly say that it's not you know, him killing George Floyd, you know, without there's not no police, you know, there's certainly police violence going on here. Like, I don't think that's in dispute. What they're going to try in the defense is going to try and do is show that he was acting within his scope as a police officer right. yeah. and then going on a very narrow interpretation of the law in order to explain how at the nine minute mark he was still in, in within the bounds. within the bounds of being a police officer based off of the state of Minnesota. And then you're trying to just get at least a couple jurors to say, I don't know what you want me to what you want me to say. He's protected as a police officer because he would, you know, like, yeah. it, and then you get to the point where you get an impasse in the jury and it just never and uh, much as you, never gets out of deadlock. Much as you pointed out there uh, that if it fails on Chauvin, then it is likely they won't even go forward with the other guys now. Yeah. You, me, and Roberto get caught up in some kind of conspiracy or crime. You best believe they are going to take all three of us to trial. And uh, one of us, who may have been a non-participatory conspirant, may be convicted, despite the fact that the person who actually did the crime doesn't get convicted. Yeah. But the state just has a different perspective on police officer conspiracies. But Right. Um, yeah, and, and you mentioned the eight-week trial. Uh, that is uh, possibly 
probably can be the state also saying the uh, opposite of what the defense is saying. Defense wants one holdout to give us a, a mistrial or a hung jury in the, in the end. And the state is saying, if I can make this an eight-week, a 10-week trial, and there is two people in that jury room uh, who are holding out, yeah. and we get a friendly judge. I, this doesn't seem like that kind of judge to me, but I don't practice in that courtroom. The prosecutor does, obviously, so he knows. And that judge is like, when they tell me they're deadlocked, I make them go back for twice the time. So if it takes 10 days, they're going to have to dead go 10 more days. So I give them a hung jury. <laughs> also, I, I mean, nobody, nobody's excited about jury duty, but yeah. if you get called to a jury, it's fun for a day. Yep. After about a week, you're like, okay, are, are we done with this thing? If it's a really long trial mm. where you're there for four weeks, five weeks, it's a murder trial or something like that. You just want to be done with it so fucking fast. And if you got in the room and just 12 people said guilty, like we're done. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's good. We're good. And if, if they might want us to discuss it a little bit and like spend an hour filling out the form, but like, you know, it's nice to know, like when you walk in the room and it's just like, we're all great. We're all guilty here. Uh, And I was going to say the, the fun ones are when the, the jury jury deliberated for 93 minutes. Now it's been estimated it takes 80 minutes to fill out the forms. <laughs> so that means that there was 13 minutes of deliberation yeah. about the, the verdict. Um, it was like the OJ case. Like they, they yeah. only deliberated for like an hour and a half or something like that. And I think that there, there are probably jury trials. And again, uh, theoretically it could never be called on a jury, but that I'm sure there are jury trials where it's not in the public. And like every day you're finding new information. You're like, this stays interesting for a while. Cause I'm like down with the topic, but yeah. This has been public the entire time, so it's really just like, yeah, uh, I saw this on Facebook. I, I know what we're talking about now. And I just imagine it would get boring over time. And over 10 weeks, you walk in, there's two holdouts. You start feeling a lot of pressure to to buckle and just be like, okay, what? This is where I think we've talked about this before, the deal-making. Like, all right, I'm not going to give you second. I could agree to third. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do on a recommendation on third if I was to agree to third? Yeah, And it's like... Uh, the, again, Keith Davis, where he got he got the gun charge, right? But not the usage of the gun. So right. you're saying he had it on him, but he didn't actually use it. So how is that logical? It's not. But there was right. a deal struck in the jury. Well, room. he had a he had a probation, so he couldn't have a gun. Right. So the gun being there, like even if he didn't use in it, his was presence, was in his presence yes. enough for probation to. Which is what somebody in that jury room was selling on. Yeah. The, like, listen, he couldn't even be around a gun. So if it was there, that's enough. Yeah. So I'll, I'll agree to that. That we give him on something to because uh, we need to get this animal off the street. Probably a white guy from Dundalk. We need to get this animal off the street. Uh, but I'm not gonna. Uh, but nobody was else was willing to give him a murder. Yeah. Um, and that may be uh, what ends up happening. And I think that's what the state's hoping for is that you um, you get everybody in there. They're tired and they're just like, bro. I will come across this table and choke you out. <laughs> uh, and usually it doesn't get that far. It gets yeah. to the like deal making before that. It's right. like, all right, we got five charges. Let's go one by one. Who think we're going to do secret ballot on second degree, only second degree. Don't think about anything else. Second degree. And you figure out where are you? It's like, yeah. all right, we got a 12 to two on manslaughter. That's where we are in the closest. Let's talk about this one. Where can we get closer yeah. on this? Um, and uh, it that's why you have long trials sometimes, just to wear... Uh, OJ was probably much longer than it had to be because there was a measure of the state hoping to wear down people, and it worked the opposite direction, unfortunately, yeah. I think. So, um, but so uh, but the that's state, how we'll the state going. also... I mean, like, I, I think uh, <laughs> this is probably the biggest trial that 
is like televised like this in a long time uh, since OJ. I yeah. mean, like, I think there's been show trials that have gotten popular, like Casey Anthony, but like the stakes in the Casey Anthony trial weren't really and that was on high, court, that you was know, on court TV. But CNN went live today with the entire trial, and yeah. they're talking about like it's not going to be all ten weeks, but this week they will be live for the trial all oh, week. Yeah. That's not Casey Anthony. That wasn't uh, uh, the dude up in uh, the Bay Area. Um, right. What was his name? Guy killed his wife. Also, uh, uh, Gergis did that case. I can't remember. Oh, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah I know who you're talking uh, about. By the way, uh, watch documentaries on those because it turns out he may not have actually killed his wife. That's uh, <laughs> that's where that comes from. Wasn't but, the boat like getting away with it or something like that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like yeah. A, I can't remember the name of the guy, but he had it a was famous very boat. Ironic. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Like a, the SS getting away with murder or something like that. <laughs> That's, uh, I can't remember the name, but I can remember the boat. It's unfortunate. It, I <laughs> Small circle. The boat. Boats at the beginning, boats here. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I was just going to say, I remember the boat being something unfortunately named. I, like, <laughs> if I was the lawyer and I was just like, what was a boat? <sighs> You're fucking kidding me, right? <laughs> so, uh, own a boat? <laughs> <laughs> what um, is the name registered with the state of California for that boat? Yeah. The SS, I just killed my wife and got away with it. Hmm. Is that uh, inspired by anything? Or? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Objection. <you're laughs> also, uh, if you're the state and you're just like uh, looking through the files, you're just like, I don't see. Do we have a, a boat registration? What was the boat <laughs> called? And then somebody's like, you're not going to fucking believe this. <laughs> and then there's like a. Mm-hmm. Walk slowly over to the jury. It's just like, so uh, what's the name of that boat? <laughs> Well, while you're standing there <laughs> looking at them, yeah. like, yeah, what is the what is the name of that boat? <laughs> so, uh, I mean, like one of the things about OJ is that uh, the the prosecution, like, you know, like both uh, can't remember their names now. Darden and uh, Marsha Marsha Clark Clark. Uh, both of them are very capable lawyers yeah. who, who do very good, good work up until this moment. But they had a couple crucial flaws that well, killed they, them they had good they had good work in the trial yeah but they had bad witnesses who lied to them oh well that too i'm saying <laughs> yeah. you know like they, they were capable of getting it guilty yeah but then there were mistakes that they made there were mistakes that happened from witnesses that they called mm. the, a lot the, all the bad shakes went their way and when you're going up against a world-class the, legal team the with dream Cochran, team yeah. over on the other side yeah. cochran and Lee bailey and all you're you're going to have to not you're going to have to play mistake free ball and they didn't do that uh which led to the ability for the not guilty uh in this case i think it's a very similar point as a prosecution you want to play mistake free ball you don't want to do anything that might possibly you don't want to have a try on the glove moment yeah yeah because if it goes wrong that's the case that's it it's done uh you can you can pretty much wave a goodbye so i i think what I liked, at least on the first day here, of what I saw, I didn't see the whole thing, but uh, I I feel like the prosecution did a better job of landing with the things that will stick with the jury for mm-hmm. a little bit longer. There was one phrase where uh, they were talking about uh, there was a registered nurse who was at the area who was going to uh, give aid to George Floyd, mm-hmm. and Chauvin pointed pepper spray at her, yeah, uh, to keep her from getting in. Um, I think that's the type of thing that'll stick with you. Uh, there was some line that was like people were calling the police to deal with the issue with the police. Yeah. Uh, which is like, where do you go when the police go wrong? Kind there, of thing. There were which, some notes in the CAD notes. And I, that, that one of the things was asking her, like, what's that? Oh, uh, dupl- duplicate call. 
was that a duplicate call? Well, uh, we got some calls about the arrest and how the arrest was going. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's not good. So, I mean, like, if you can if you can set up enough of these moments for the jury to just uh, want to be in your in your side yeah. and not give them a mistake to to think about, then uh, you have a decent enough chance, I think, of getting a guilty. Assuming you never know how the jury is going to play, it's a complete wild card. Um, if if I'm the state though, one thing I do, I play the whole video. Yeah, the whole. Well, they thing. did. They did at the beginning. Uh, that had a timestamp running on it. I play it without the timestamp, and uh, that was probably a mistake on their part because now you've lost that moment. But I play it without a timestamp, and then I say, "It's been three minutes." Yeah. Because inevitably, you're going to be thinking in the jury, like, "Okay, this thing has to be almost over. It has well, to have been nine minutes." Well, somebody it's three minutes. Somebody said uh, somebody who was covering the trial said that uh, they hadn't seen the video since the incident, and it seems so much longer yeah. than it was the first time that they saw it. I and can't imagine anybody watched it at real speed the entire time. And just, it is a l- eight minutes and 37 seconds. Is and a long not, time. now they're calling nine twenty nine because of like the Initials. body cam footage. Yeah. The, the video that was had before was like caught in the act, I believe. Right. Like, yeah, I can't remember. I, there's some, some question about like, he was up on his side for a, a moment and then yeah. like pressed down and kind of like fumbling around but 929 is even worse. Like, uh. I mean, right now, the defense, all they can do is is poke holes in the small little windows of legality that they have yep. in the in the protection that police officers get from uh, immunity from prosecution, basically, in most cases. Yeah. And, and by the and, way, you saw that today. Yeah. Uh, so they thought he was drunk. Every indication they had was that he was under the influence and that he was fighting with the store owners. Well, that was what the call was. Okay. And that you can see them going into like they came in with the mindset of this is what I'm dealing with. I got I'm gonna have to like deal with the drunk guy. It's fine. Um, and we are looking at these pictures of this very happy father, but this was a a drunk guy on Percocet that he, they were dealing with. Yeah, so, who was passing out behind well, the car? You know they're gonna they're gonna go to the. I, I'm sure Chauvin's people. They've already tried to seek a previous arrest of George Floyd uh, for evidence. Yeah, which was loud. Which is him swallowing a bunch of drugs when the officers come up to him which is apparently what happened at this the time. at yeah. this time as well um and I you know he resisted arrest in that one too or, yeah or that, not that he was charged with it but that there was a a tussle during the arrest on that one well on that like, one like the the cop to his credit was just like come on man i know what you're doing don't do that like yeah you know like there, there was a lot of like recognizing what was happening and uh not being uh, I, I think being more concerned that he might have a very bad overdose than than a uh, whatever he's being arrested for. So, which by the way is a re- reality of something that can happen. Yeah. Uh, another reality: um, states all over the country. Uh, most likely, if you're listening to this, not your state. Uh, just because I find that our listeners come from California and Maryland and New York, Massachusetts, uh, all places where. We're basically looking and saying, how can we make more people vote? How can we get more people to vote? Yeah. But there are states all over this country where they are not having that discussion. No. They're having a discussion of, how can we make it harder to vote? And I don't understand that logic, but uh, apparently that's logic that people have. Yeah. Uh, I, since, the, since the loss of Trump in the 2020 election here, uh, a lot of states have gone to really extreme measures to try and uh, curtail 
what they saw as problematic voting. <laughs> uh, That's what we call, uh, or what they call, black people voting anywhere <laughs> south of the Mason-Dixon line. That's problematic. Problematic voting, voting yeah. yes. Um <coughs> And just dumb stuff too. I mean, like you know, the Georgia the Georgia bill has been getting the most attention. Uh, the Georgia bill has been causing the most trouble for like Coca Cola and Delta, who apparently had been supporting it for a small period of time, and then people were just like, "The fuck!" Like so, uh, there's a lot of attention on Georgia's version of the bill, but there are ones in states all over the country that are just as. And what's amazing to me is that we have one pandemic. Mm-hmm. Where voting by mail has become a thing to do. Yep. You never thought about voting by mail before, right? No. I like, didn't if you were voting for a while. I mean, so. if you were going to vote, you were just going to go to the polling place and yeah. and go and vote, right? Yeah. You never even thought like, oh, I'll have to mail that. Maybe college? Uh, no. Because uh, I, I went home to vote. Okay. So you went home for the weekend to vote then. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like. We've had early voting most of our adult lives. So yeah. maybe if we had gone to college in like the 90s before they really had early voting, mm. it would be different. But yeah, like my first election would have been 2004 presidential election. Yeah. Yeah. Because we couldn't vote in 2000. Um, and I, th- we had, they had early voting in Maryland. The Sunday voting, the Sundays, four Sundays before the election, it was open. Yeah. So I went home one of the Sundays of October, November and voted on that Sunday and then came back. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I don't necessarily think this is a... Democrat Republican thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's just that it was a pandemic and Republicans were told yeah. to go in person and Democrats were told to mail it in. Yeah. And that's why more mail in votes were Democratic. But I think that uh, under normal circumstances, if you if it wasn't so politicized, which way you vote, mm-hmm. I imagine that those numbers would probably. Oh, they're really going to regret this when uh, I put out that rumor that Joe Biden's going to come take their guns on Election Day and everybody <laughs> should stay at their house so that they, yeah. they don't come secretly take their guns. Then you're going to really wish you had that mail-in voting. If you leave your house, they're going to take your guns while you're gone. They're waiting for the Republicans to leave. They're watching you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Q. Q can send out a brief about uh, (laughs) them watching your house. You mean Steve Uh, Bannon? I mean, uh, (laughs) perhaps I've said too much. Is this thing on? (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, like 161 bills in 31 states to limit voting rights. And uh, there's a voting rights bill in the Senate. Yeah, in the Senate. Well, it passed the House. It's mm -hmm. sitting, waiting in the Senate. But... Uh, it doesn't have the votes from uh, any Republicans. Yep. It has uh, Mansion and Cinema. <laughs> Probably going to hold it up to, uh, for no other reason than they are in the catbird seat right now, being the moderate Democrats of the bunch. Well, that's strange. Uh, the voting right, the new Voting Rights Act, has a bunch of pork in it for West Virginia. <laughs> I don't know how that happened, but why is coal mining back? <laughs> <laughs> why is that in this bill? Joe Manchin (laughs) saving West Virginia and killing West Virginians. Uh, But a lot of these things, I mean, like, you know, like we're we we have a there's a big Democratic slate of things that they would like to do that all involve uh, whether or not they can overturn the filibuster and all that sort of stuff. Yep. That's uh, uh, you really need to do that to be able to get anything done at this moment. And uh, the voting rights, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act is going to be a pinnacle of that if they can get it. But they're going to have to get rid of the filibuster because there's no other way. You can't and, get 60 votes on that. And I will say, uh, I don't know how I feel about eliminating the filibuster as a whole, but there has been a middle ground offered, which I am 100% for, and that's bringing back the classic rules of the filibuster that you can't just, uh, I think you put it aptly, pocket filibuster something by saying, no, no, I don't agree. Don't bring it to a vote. You, If you want a filibuster, you get up there like Mr. Smith goes to Washington and you talk. 
And if there's 40 of you, you take turns talking. Yeah. And as as Biden pointed out, uh, that gives people time to discuss and negotiate and come to a deal and or either you wear down the side that wants the vote and they agree to table it so it doesn't come to a vote or when you reach the end of your discuss, like everybody wants to go home for vacation. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, you guys got to keep talking because we're not going to take a re- We can't do any other business. We can't even recess while the filibuster is going on. So keep talking through Christmas or stop and we'll take a vote. I would like to go one further on on that proposal, though. Is it guillotines? No. Because I'm down for that, too. No, that's your solution. Okay. Everything. Um, my my point would be uh, if you're going to filibuster something in particular, say Voting Rights Act, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I'm 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 Rand Paul and I've cho- chosen this moment to filibuster that I don't want you going up with a fucking cookbook or, you know, like the Iliad or something like that. And just reading any old bullshit. If you're going to go up there and filibuster the Voting Rights Act, then I want you to fucking talk about the Voting Rights Act, because I want there to be eight hours of you uninterrupted talking about all the things you feel about this bill, because if it's so important to you that you will filibuster this for the point of whatever your opposition to it is, then I would like to hear all of those oppositions. Because then maybe if uh, some plucky Democrat wants to run against Rand Paul, they can take what you said? footage of him from talking about why the Voting Rights Act isn't important and put it into an ad Yep, and run against him. Because that is exactly what, you know, the reason why they go up there and read cookbooks and stuff like that is because they don't want to be on the record saying anything that might hurt their political ambitions. But they also don't want to pass the bill. They also don't want to pass the bill. And, you know, if they, if they filibuster and realize that they're never going to get the 60, then just sort of goes away. And I would say my initial reaction is no, no, that's not what the filibuster is about. But literally while you were talking, I was thinking, I'm like, Oh, you know what? The the historical rule was based on bills that were like 18 pages long. So what are you going to talk about for 40 hours on 18 pages? Yeah. But Rand Paul is always talking about like, this is a 15,000 page document that nobody's read. You know what? Read it into the record. How about that? (laughs) They did that. They did that the other, (laughs) the other week with the, uh, American rescue plan. Yeah. And, and by the way, uh, at any point that you disagree, feel free to just be like, at the end of section C. All right. So here is why this is not good. And offer your opinion. But if it's 15,000 pages, I could talk for weeks on yeah. 15,000 pages. And it, I mean, I would need another person because I would imagine that at some at point. At some point you got to pee. and I, I, I think I could hold the peeing. It would be like day three when I hadn't slept and I would start going vape a little, in the chamber. <laughs> I, mean, I think honestly, I think I could Bernie Sanders it like that picture of him on the plane where he's like into his sleeve or whatever. I could probably do that. Uh, my concern would be that day three when I hadn't slept and I would start doing things like uh, just screaming guillotines over and over and over again, and that might get me censured or something. So I don't want. Oh, do kooky Senator Cheek. Yeah. Uh, well, always trying to overthrow the body in which he stands. Uh, me too. Take me out there too. I deserve it just as much as these guys. Um, I, I don't want. I don't be like. I can already see uh, the uh, the hill romance that you start with Marjorie Taylor Greene. It'll be like, it'll be like uh, what's his face with uh, uh, Clinton, uh, raging Cajun. Fuck. Oh, uh, 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 fuck. Yeah, what is uh, Carville? James Carville, Carville and Carville, his yeah. wife, who's like the, the Bush's chief of staff or something. Yeah. The only problem <laughs> is that like they are the moderate middle. They're like yeah. slightly left and slightly right, and then. Uh, me and Marjorie Taylor Greene are the uh, Mar- uh, the Malcolm and Marie of <laughs> that story. <laughs> it's just like uh, 
shout she's up in the gallery while i'm giving the filibuster just like you're a piece of shit and everything you believe in is wrong yeah, and then after the, the filibuster we just like have sex in the uh in the the center of the uh in the rotunda the rotunda is on the floor in front of everybody because you're in the middle up. you're in the middle of your statements and you're just creeping your cell phone up and you're just like i'm sorry she changed herself to my radiator i gotta go 100 percent uh but I do uh, another serious note away from the joke. Uh, there are also uh, 81 bills across 20 states uh, that are set to limit the rights of transgender people. Uh, not only is it voting rights, which are in jeopardy now, but mm. uh, I think we've talked about this before. Mitch and the Republicans playing the long game. They control 31 state legislatures. And essentially, anywhere that they think they can get away with it, they are now basically like, this is probably the end of the Republican wave. So we need to douche it now to either maintain it or to lock some stuff in so that we can get to our next time of being in power. And um, the transgender rights bills, are, and I, I hesitate to say it that they're calling them transgender rights bills because they take away the rights of transgender people. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, how is this a transgender right? Well, no, it's, it's not. It's, it's like the freedom, the Patriot Act. And yes, stuff. <laughs> yeah. But uh, in the end, uh, essentially, like, Alabama has a, a, a law that is now becoming more vocal uh, because a, a member of the lower house of Alabama testified above to the upper house of Alabama, uh, a Senate and House, but I don't really know what they're called. Some states yeah. call them something different about his transgender daughter. And they basically were like, thank you for coming in. So we're all agreed. Fuck his daughter. Right. <laughs> OK, cool. Yeah. Uh, and basically they're saying you're not people. And I've been watching this uh, 14th Amendment documentary with mm-hmm. Will Smith on Netflix, and I'm just like, here we go again. Where yeah. it's just like, I know they're not going to wrap this in because it's it's probably too new and it hasn't been figured out yet, so it's not neat, and that's what Netflix likes, like neat documentaries. But in the end, like, it's it was civil rights, women's rights, gay rights, and we're going to fight the same goddamn fight again just yeah. because somebody is like, I don't want to change anything about you. I would just like you to recognize me as a human being and a separate person the way that I do you uh, in, in my the way that I feel about myself. Uh, no, fuck you. Absolutely not. And then we're going to fight about it for 20 years. And eventually we, meaning the moderate left, not necessarily me, but the moderate mm-hmm. left will win and rights will be given. And you're going to be on the wrong side of fucking history again. It's like literally an I, open book I, test yeah. that you continue to fail. And I don't understand why. What I what I just don't get is like all the issues that they ever bring up about it are just so like hollow and like it's just like I hear them talk about women's sports a lot. Like yeah. this is the reason why we need to have regulations on transgender rights and stuff like that. And I'm just like, motherfucker, you don't give a fuck about <laughs> women's no. sports. If you did, the women's national team would make a lot more money than the men's national team that doesn't even qualify for the Olympics. The and women's team is winners. <laughs> Give a fucking, like, you can pay them one-tenth the amount you paid the men's team. The first law that passed was somewhere in the Midwest, and it's going to be the one that uh, fails. It's not going to be yeah. the bulwark uh, because they literally point out women's sports. And I don't even practice for some, I don't practice constitutional law, and I'm like, yeah, that's an equal protections violation. You, you can't just, you should have just yeah. said sports. Like, yeah. we, you can't have uh, trans men playing on the men's teams or trans women on the women's team. But you literally just said, Oh, we don't care about the men's team. It's fine. No <laughs> trans women on the women's teams. That's what we're focused on here, guys. The important stuff. Um, and uh, there was a whole hubbub about uh, Miss Nevada is a transgendered uh, woman now. And I uh, literally responded to the person. I said, so what you're upset about is this 
county fair ass blue ribbon competition, which is who's the purtiest. You're upset that the woman who was assigned male at birth is the prettiest woman. That's what you're upset about. And you're worried that she's going to go compete against 49 other women from your state and other states and be called the prettiest woman in all of those states. And she wasn't assigned female at birth. That is what upsets you. You're upset that the person who was born male is going to be the prettiest girl this year. Is that what you're really upset about? Like, also, you're not that pretty. And uh, I don't mean to be hateful about that, but like, don't be mad about anyone being prettier than you. I just don't like, like to me at the at the end of the day, I really don't understand why we can't just be okay with people who like want to be happy. Like yes. at, the, at the very like it, if Rob came here tomorrow and said, "I've decided for the rest of my life it's just polka dots and purple and yellow." Cuz that's like what's going to make me Sounds happy. Like me. Yeah. I'd be like, "Okay." You know, maybe at some point I give him some light ribbing about it. But if I realize it's a sensitive topic and he doesn't like it, I'm going to lay off. Way more ribbing. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. Now, why the beatings will continue until morale improves. <laughs> why can't the transgendered lesbian couple defend their marijuana plants with firearms? I just don't understand. <laughs> At what point we can't just say, if you're not impacting someone else. Yeah. A, a, a firearms, which they purchased legally through an extensive background check and, uh, you know, procedures that make sense. Yeah, obviously not just Cross like cross check through a national database, a national <laughs> database, uh, not just, you know, walking into Walmart and purchasing yeah. a, uh, automatic weapon with 30 round ammunition or 30 round registering ammunition. it. Like you do a vehicle. Absolutely. Sure. Um, but all I'm saying Having is Having to drive to Arizona to get your registration renewed on your <laughs> <laughs> on your handgun. I thought you were going to say a drive-through gun store. <laughs> if there was a place that had one, I bet Arizona's got one if there is a place. Uh but no. Uh I, I just don't understand like I, I find myself like as I move further left becoming a libertarian and it, mm-hmm. that is strange to me because idealistically that feels like it's on the right but it's not i I don't know um things are very weird let people be happy yeah uh except for bankers in europe uh fuck them Uh, i just want to mention it just quickly uh you may see in the next couple weeks that uh the second great depression is about to start and if you do remember you heard it here first uh a hedge fund in america made bad bets credit suisse which is one of the biggest banks in europe uh had to cover losses that they had with that hedge fund. They pulled capital out. Uh, other banks are now saying, we don't have money to cover you, what you just pulled out, yeah. which is causing an economic crunch, <laughs> which wouldn't be a bad problem, <laughs> except for they're also shutting down again for COVID in Europe, which is causing a further crunch, which may have been balanced by growth in the American market, only we're facing the fourth wave of COVID, so mm-hmm. also crunch here, uh, so uh, depression. For all the people who who don't understand the very technical thing Rob just said, just imagine that in various different European accents, somebody going, "We don't have your money. Bill's got it's in Bruce's house." <laughs> we don't have your money. Yeah, your money is over in one, uh, Felipe's house. Uh, I, I do not have money for you. I went from like. Spain <laughs> to France, France to Italy in just one little loop there. He said various European <laughs> accents. My most famous accent I've ever done in a performance was a made-up South Pacific accent that was a little bit Australian, a little bit British, a little bit 
racist, honestly. <laughs> like, it was just a little was bit. Was it like a Taika Waititi thing? It was very <laughs> much. It was very much that. Like That's, yeah, what, that's what X said that if you make up, it sounds like you're insulting the people. <laughs> but then you hear him like actually talk and you're just like. You're just like, oh, he actually says it. See, to be fair, I didn't know. I, obviously, he wasn't a star in 1999 when I made up that <laughs> when accent. You made that accent, yeah. So, in the end, I was looking for, like, a just generic South uh, Pacific accent. Yeah. And that's what I came up with by combining different sounds from different places. Yeah, yeah. And meaning no offense, meaning to <laughs> just have a kind of generic South Pacific accent. And then I, when I've heard uh, Taika Waititi... I always think like, oh, fuck, that was like super racist of me to like do that voice as a white man on stage. But also I accurately represented the accent of a place of a character who had no background story. I was just like <laughs> random cabin boy number four that had a lot of speaking lines that I had to do an accent for. I'm going to enjoy when Roberto has to do an accent for some acting work that he gets like he's going to be the the lead in some in something and he's got to really nail the italian accent or yeah. whatever right and then it's gonna be weeks of him like walking around the apartment going like eh, it's a spicy meatball that is horribly racist i have to get that better it's a spicy meatball no it's not quite italian and like i'm just watching him like go throughout like the the many stages of like trying to find it and he's just like no it's too much of a character now no it's not authentic i need to go back to to italy See, you only enjoy that because you're not the one who has to hold him when he cries at night <laughs> after that. Uh, moving on. <laughs> Speaking of crying in the middle of the night, uh, the people who uh, are going up against Nike in their uh, pursuit of artistic bloody shoes. Yeah. Are <laughs> and so listen, going I, to have a going to have a fun time. Again, a quick touch on this just cuz it it happened today uh and it kind of popped onto the news. Uh one, if you pay $1000 for shoes, <laughs> you're dumb. I'm sorry. It's you're really dumb. dumb. You're dumb. Uh also, unless um, you got like $1000 just like you know, if you got Bezos money, well, I mean, we also a thousand dollar shoes aren't really. We got that stimulus recently. So oh, I mean, like, listen, you got that stimmy for a <laughs> stimmy for a shoe. I don't know if that's really what it was intended for. All I'm saying is that uh, I see two people, two types of people getting upset. Ultra religious people. Yeah. Uh, because there is a Bible verse on the shoe, which is uh, and Christ said, uh, I saw the devil fall from heaven as a lightning bolt, which is the theme of the video and the song. Mm hmm. And I see. uh People getting upset in defense of Nike, I guess. But people who are like, you shouldn't be able to make money doing that. They're taking a product and just making changes to it and then making money off of it. And the only thing I really wanted to say about that is um, that's capitalism, baby. I don't know <laughs> what you I don't understand these these like uh, I only like capitalism when it works in a certain way. Um Wait, 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 the banks are going to go under? We needed some socialism to save them now, no. but uh, rugged individualism for everybody else. <laughs> uh, I love free market capitalism. What? I don't approve of that. No, we must block that. Don't allow that to happen. No, if somebody's willing to pay $1,000 for a dumbass fucking pair of shoes, individually numbered 1 to 666 with human blood in them and a Bible verse. Yeah. Which, by I, 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 we were talking before the show about the Church of uh, Satan, which... There are Satanists who worship Satan. There is an official church of Satan, which my understanding doesn't actually worship Satan. It was created to fuck with religious people. And every time you try to put some religious shit in the law, we're going to say that's discriminatory against us because our beliefs are exactly the opposite of you. Yeah. Um, and 
that's where I just go. I'm just like, I don't care about your religion. I don't care about your objection to this because of religion. I see here. Uh, I, I think I found the common ground, which would appease me personally. Uh, I'm not against an artistic uh, recreation of some sort of con- or like taking something and remixing the work to do something new. OK. Uh, what really concerns me as far as uh, looking at this from afar is that a lot of people don't know that Nike didn't decide to sell this shoe. Like they hear the story, Nike selling that's shoes with blood and says. a lot of people were selling it were, says were pa- saint, passing around saint is selling nike air force ones special uh right but they're but they're they're advertising them as nike shoes well it, it's saying that they are the shoe itself is a nike air force one much like saying uh van gogh oil on canvas yeah. this is uh a saint blood on nike air force one <laughs> So, I mean, I get I know where you're coming from there. Yeah. I'm saying the differentiation to me is if you had people send the shoes and then you create the art and then send it back to them, mm-hmm. then I see no legal grounds under which anyone could be upset. If you sell the shoe like if you have a website for they instance the where shoes, you though. where you where you have the thing, yeah. And then you sell them as Nike like with the trademarks and everything like that, then you're mm-hmm. you're trying to resell something that you've remixed, which I think is the differentiation. So can I buy if you're shoes? an artist who buy who, who like you know like I come to you, the artist, mm-hmm. with a pair of shoes because this is what happened. I have a custom pair of shoes, some Oriole shoes from yeah. way back when. the The way that process worked uh, legally was: you purchase shoes. Here's where you can purchase those shoes. Bring them to me, and then for an extra. 50 bucks or whatever i'll do all the art on them so uh are you saying that there are literally thousands of people on ebay and and amazon who are breaking the law by buying shoes and then reselling those shoes no i think that if you are you know like if you have property Mm -hmm. you are allowed to uh sell that property at any point if you wish so the artist bought 666 pairs of white shoes but i mean like part of that too is that you're expecting if i go on to ebay right mm-hmm. and i buy a pair of nike jordan fives mm-hmm. i expect real nike jordan fives to come my way if i right. if i spent money and got somebody took some converse and put a big fucking swoop on the side of it right i'm not gonna be happy right like but if if you got custom shoes and they mm-hmm. weren't customized like you just got a pair of Nike Air Force Ones, you'd be yeah. very upset. Like, what's custom yeah. about this? Well, I signed them, so <laughs> it's custom. No, but Nike got paid the money for the shoes. Yeah, it is a resell of the product, which is perfectly fine. Many people do it. A lot of people buy it at wholesale and then wait for the market to spike and then sell way above retail to yeah. make profits. This is the same thing, except for what the person's really buying is the customization on the shoe that's already been paid for. He didn't steal the shoes. Right. And whether or not the person bought the shoes and sent them to him, you're creating more rarity by saying, I am only making 666 of these. But the advertising it as a Nike is the problem. But I advertise those shoes I sell on eBay as Nike Air Force Ones. That What's the difference? Because I'm advertising it as a Nike. Because it is, in fact, a, cr- a product and creation of Nike. Okay, but this shoe isn't like at some some point I could go back into the Nike history of all their shoes and say, oh, here's the one that I just purchased. 
so if I have a pair of Penny Hardaways from yeah. 1999 and I'm selling them for $45,000, yeah. is it justified for somebody to be upset? Like, uh, it wasn't Nike. It was Adidas. Uh, whoever. Um, yeah. Is selling these shoes for $45,000. How dare they sell their shoes for $45,000? Just because my ad says... Be a Nike Penny Hardaway 1998 shoes. Yeah. No, because the understanding is unless you're going to Nike, you're paying someone else for that product. Now, dumb people who get upset about things that they read on Facebook, just reading the headline and companies that take advantage of that because they're subsisting on ads for eyes on the page. This is what we do that. I'm going to read the headline. I'm going to go to the page and read the headline and then be upset about it. Are we going to just devolve to the lowest common denominator and say, we need to protect society from the dumbest people? Or are we going to take those warning tags off and let Darwinism run its course? I, listen, I'm not, I'm not opposed to the idea of people hypothetically doing this sort of thing and selling remixed version of shoes. My problem is that if in any way somebody could be, could be reasonably confused that this is a, uh, that they thought that this was Nike selling these products mm-hmm. then you're you're getting into the to the point where you've basically uh for lack of a better term violated somebody's copyright we could make a movie that is an homage to another movie that is already out there we could yeah. do the opening of social network and if it was me and you instead of mark zuckerberg and <laughs> yeah and his date and it's the same dialogue and everything. Yeah. Then we could make a legal argument that we are are trying to do the same exact thing to show people that we're doing the same scene, but clearly yes. it's different. Yes. Uh, if we tried to sell this movie as The Social Network, mm-hmm. d- directed by David Fincher, yes, and put it out on Amazon, and then people got it and said, oh man, I've always been looking forward to watching this movie from fucking... 10 years ago mm-hmm. and then they open it up and it's me and you's ugly mug right. in the first scene then i have people would have an expectation of being upset about that okay but if we went to a website called rob and Corey's the social network by david fincher yeah and uh, that's not it's a terrible example i know you, you keep trying to use these music and movie examples that are not the same thing they're going to saint's website yeah they're buying little nas x shoes they're, the only billing on them that is Nike at all is what is the canvas on which the art is done. Right. And I would like to know when I'm buying a shoe, is it an Air Jordan that I wear an 11 in? Yeah. Or is it an Air Force One that I wear a 10 and a half in? Or is it a Converse All-Star that I wear a 14 and a half in? Because they run so goddamn small. If you... It, so... Maybe as a as a we'll get off of this after this point, but like maybe as a point, if you just sold them as uh, original custom shoes, little Nas X Satan ones. Mm-hmm. Right. As opposed to saying Nike Air Force One Satan, like, you know, having the Nike part of the branding associated with it. Then you find yourself in a new. Here's the funny thing. Is that how they sold that it? is exactly <laughs> how they are being sold. It's described as the Satan one, Lil Nas X, by mm-hmm. Saint. In the description, it is customized Air, Nike Air Force One. Okay. Well, I mean, but if basically you go to BuzzFeed, the, what you see is... At the end of the day, you have to... <laughs> you have to read the story? You, no, at the end of the day, you have to... Uh, 
just make sure you don't upset the wrong person because then the lawsuit comes. Well, I mean, yeah, and uh, I'm wondering if uh, all of those Vietnamese children who put together those Air Force Ones for pennies a day yeah. uh, are the, helping them put together the lawsuit for uh, <laughs> against Saint. I mean, listen, shoes. Uh, legal help is uh, not cheap, so... Uh, I mean, it is you if it's in say, Vietnam. You got to save where you can. I would also say manufacturing is not cheap, but it is in Vietnam, <laughs> so uh, I guess it just depends if uh, Nike outsources legal to the same place they do manufacturing. Uh, we got a couple last things here. Let's go through quickly. Yeah. Uh, so three, the three big stories of the week when it comes to COVID are really intertwined with each other. Um, most of them come out of the Sanjay Gupta documentary, which I have not watched because I didn't want to watch the commercials. So I'm going to wait till it's streaming, which it is now, and I can watch it. Um, Fuck you, CNN. Uh, you made me watch a whole day of trial with a, a chick with fucking Arizona T-shirt today. Uh, but uh, the first thing is not a uh, current CDC director uh, described a concern of impending doom. Yeah. And she didn't say this part, but I think it was inferred uh, that Americans are fucking dumb. And basically she said, uh, so here's how it all went awry in the beginning. And here's what we're doing now and how it could all go awry again. And and basically everything I saw on social media was just like, man, this chick's crazy, which is, by the way, the same shit that I saw last March. About yeah. Like, no, no, no. It's all going to go away. It's going to disappear. Just trust like a me. miracle. Yeah, it'd be <laughs> crazy. Um, which kind of ties into the second story, which is uh, uh, Deborah Bricks and the Bricks disclosure. <laughs> Burks. Oh, Burks. Sorry, yeah, Burks. Uh, I just think the Bricks disclosure has a better ring to it. I, like, I understand why you want to do it. I'm yeah. just saying it's not uh, correct. Deborah Burks. So, um, she is a former member of the Trump COVID task force. Just remember that one day when you die and you're... Uh, you know how many times I've been called Robert Cheeks your, in my life? Your legacy is with me. Yeah. It'll be the, the Rob Check method before... <laughs> Or the the Rob Creek, the Rob Creek <laughs> method, method, the Rob Cheeks method. There's a whole uh, outside of your simulation life. on your cloud, looking down, going like this fucking sucks, and then you're just like Rob Cheeks method. <laughs> they got it wrong in life. They get, they get it wrong in death. Is not my concern either. But uh, uh, so former uh, Deborah Burks, former me uh, member of the Trump administration. Um, basically, if you don't remember the one who was shaking her head when uh, <laughs> Trump suggested insert inserting bleach to defeat the coronavirus, I know that the bleach does a good job at cleaning. Maybe we could figure out how to put bleach in people. And it disinfects them somehow, and <laughs> uh, yeah. So she basically came out uh, again in Dr. Sanjay Gupta's documentary. Uh, the, the next few things will be from that, uh, and said um, every death above a hundred thousand is essentially unnecessary because when things started breaking out. They essentially analyzed and said, if we do all of these things, we can, this thing's going to curve, but it's going to grow. It's going to curve, but we can limit deaths to somewhere around a hundred thousand. And, um, the president was on the president at the time, Trump was unwilling to do those things and essentially asked for a worst case scenario, which was around 2 million deaths. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the, the best case scenario was then at about a hundred thousand deaths and was looking for like, what levels can I take? or what can we expect the local governors and mayors to take to, and to give us a zone. Yeah. And essentially 500,000 deaths was found to be an acceptable amount of loss for economic loss given in exchange. So, right. uh, this is not wholly unexpected for us to be at 500,000 more. It, it's towards the middle of the zone. The lower end of the zone was like 220 to 300. Mm -hmm. So we've exceeded that some, but, uh, yeah, it's nothing should be surprised. It's not, it's surprising to us, 
but not surprising to anybody who was in the administration at that time that yeah. uh, this is what they shot for. So I know I said previous weeks, um, thousand people are still dying every day. People will continue to die. Uh, Biden said today we are almost at 550,000. I'm pretty sure we're past 550,000. I think now. we're just a, share, a hair under. Are we really? Yeah. So that has really slowed down. Good. Um, except for the other bit of news, which is uh, back to the CDC director, the current CDC director, basically saying like uh, uh, things are trending in the wrong direction. Uh, more states than are not are trending up now on cases. Good news is hospitalization is not following that trend. Deaths are not following that trend. So it may be that um, we're starting to build some herd immunity or um, the immunizations are working, something. Or it could just be, hey, the thing we knew all along. Yeah, we're past 563. I fucking knew yeah. it. I fucking knew we had been past that for weeks ago. But anyway, um, the likelihood is that people are saying, oh, well, cases are up, but hospitalizations are not up. Yeah. Because hospitalizations come a week or two after the cases go up and yeah. deaths go up a week after that. It, we're not there yet, but we're going to see it start to happen. And it's trending in the wrong direction. And I ranted about this on Instagram. People can go watch it there if they want. But it's just disheartening that a year later, no one has fucking learned a thing. Yeah. And uh, the other bit of news was that uh, Anthony Redlands, what's his name? Robert. Robert, Robert Redfield. Redfield. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, who is the former CDC director, who's also on Dr. Sanjay Gupta's uh, documentary, uh, who also just basically kind of has that like, uh, eh, fuck it. Uh, uh, the the way that uh, my dating life is going now, where when I was 20, I was very careful about the things that I said and very uh, calculating, calculating and cagey. And now um, something pops in my head and I'm like, fuck it, say it, see what's the worst that <laughs> happen. Uh, I feel like that's what that's what the good doctor is at now yeah. because uh, part of his interview he was like, "Oh no, I fully believe it came out of a lab," and I was just like, "Oh wait, what?" I, no. I literally was about to turn off the TV and I was like, "Huh, okay." <laughs> and uh, at the end of the bit of that interview, Sanjay is talking to the host of the current show, and he's like, "Here's the thing, it sounds crazy, but if there's one guy who's got the resume to back up that kind of statement and make you think, maybe." It's that guy. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, oh. Uh, and, and he goes into the whole thing. This is not about uh, it, it purposefully letting it loose. In every lab, viruses get out, no matter how strong the lab conditions are. But what you usually do is in level five labs, you have like, uh, you guys, when you're in the lab itself, you then stay on campus. And then you work in shifts. Not only shifts for the day, but shifts on week. So week working, week not coming to the facility at all. Yeah. And that way you try to keep separation. But what we know is 10 day incubation period with COVID. So even if you were doing that right about the time you start virally shedding is the time that you go home to your family. And there's a big, uh, biomedical research thing in Wuhan and that maybe that's how it came out. I mean, you know, I I've heard people say, you know, like, Oh, is invented in the lab since the beginning of this whole mm -hmm. thing. Uh, I've never, specifically told people that they're crazy or wrong for believing that uh mostly because i can't tell you with 100 percent certainty nope. and i don't want to be the person who says that absolutely didn't happen when i have no clue to know whether or not it did or not um and by the way but, if you had when this story comes out 
yeah. then they don't believe anything you say. Like, no, masks don't matter. I'm not going to trust you on the vaccine because you were wrong about that one thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bitch, I've been right about everything for 12 months. I got well, one I mean, thing it's like, wrong. It's like the, you know, like when Fauci at the beginning, when we didn't have enough PPE and he said, uh, I don't think people should be wearing masks right now. And then as soon as PPE stepped up, he's like, everyone wear a fucking mask. Yeah. Like it was, it was a, it was making an argument for keeping the first responders with it as yeah. opposed to uh, every Nick... <laughs> Tom uh, and Harry, who every idiot who yeah. uh, was running out and buying a thousand peop, uh the K ninety five or N ninety five masks, like you you don't need that. Uh, you don't need that much toilet paper either, uh, <laughs> or milk. That's all going to go bad. What are we going to do with all this? How many cakes you baking? <laughs> uh, and uh, so I, I guess uh, the 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 summary of all that is, uh, as I said a few weeks ago or last week, we're fucked. So uh, it's not over. Thousand people a day dying, yeah, thousands I, of cases a day. Part of part of what going back to the CDC director's comments about like the impending doom, impending doom. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a big reason why I see where she's coming from with that is because too many people have decided it's over. Yep, it's done. I'm I'm going back to life. Uh, more people have traveled in the past week than by airplane than they had since Christmas of 2019. Uh, we are getting to the point. I mean, you can just see it in the world. Like, you know, I watch a lot of Vegas YouTube channels and stuff like that. Really? Vegas is hmm. back. Yeah. There are a lot of people in Vegas right now. It has been packed for the entire month of March because March Madness. People are out there enjoying basketball games. <sighs> and uh, that is not necessarily the thing to be doing. Uh, I, You know, like, uh, I will... At some point here, be traveling to San Francisco to see my brother. Uh, so we will do a remote show after the fact to be safe and everything like but that. But uh, you you will be fully vaccinated before you go, right? Uh, the second shot is when I get back. Okay. The day after I get back. But you're on the vaccination yeah. schedule. Are they vaccinated? Not yet. They're in the April 15th group. I have less faith in this plan than I did before. But uh, much like, uh, but I'm saying like, well, much like every woman I know, it's your birthday. <laughs> so you know. No, but what I'm saying is there, there are there are still ways to do things safely, and there's still ways to to be responsible, and to limit the risk that any one person has of getting sick from any action that you make. Mm -hmm. And I think that you know, like people really want to want it to be over so they can go party and have fun and roaring 20s and all the stuff I hear on, on Instagram. Yes, we're so close to that. As soon as enough people get vaccinated, we'll be there. But the problem is that we're just not at that. We're so close to it, but not there yet, you know? Yeah, uh, and it's very upsetting for me to see so many people that I know, once again, traveling all around, going places. It's, I don't. I get, I, I get, you may be vaccinated and that's absolutely fantastic. Uh, but the waitress at the restaurant that you're stopping at in wherever on your drive may mm -hmm. not be, not you, uh, the people on Instagram oh, yeah, that yeah. I'm seeing traveling now. Um, I, I just, I don't understand the just, uh, or, or the other thing that I'm getting in responses to the Instagram videos is like, uh, five, all five of my friends, I'm not vaccinated, but all five of my friends are, so we're totally fine. I'm like, that is not how it works. You didn't right. actually watch the video. Like, ugh. Well, I mean, but. so, you know, just as a, a button to this, mm -hmm. uh, there has been some uh, encouraging news 
about recent studies that have been done regarding people who are vaccinated. Uh, there was a UCLA study mm-hmm. that had 15,000 nurses who had mm-hmm. gotten vaccinated. Uh, and in the time after the two weeks after their final dose, which is when you reach that hypothetical 94% yes. uh, rate, uh, there were, I think it was seven people yes. who had gotten, who had tested positive for COVID. None of them with serious symptoms. All of them sort of like the walking COVID. Yep. Um, which is good because, you know, that's sort of proving that, that vaccinated people are keeping themselves from getting seriously ill. Yes. From this, at least so far. And uh, from testing positive, which means like yeah, it and, is they're not sick at all. And so. that the, the, you know, basically the positivity rate is like 0.01 or something like that. Mm-hmm. The chances of you getting a positive test. But uh, again, uh, but, but you can those... still get it and you can still pass it on to somebody. So yes. it's not a. And you can still let the germs or the virus inhabit you temporarily and expel it on somebody shortly thereafter, which is not viral shedding because your body is protecting you from it. Even though you won't get sick, you'll never have a positive test, but you got exposed. And then 25 minutes later, you, I mean, what what I'm going to be happy about is I get once I'm fully vaccinated two Mm -hmm. weeks after the fact and everything like that, you know, I, I seriously will sort of feel like the mask plus mitigation efforts plus the vaccine is probably enough to keep me from getting sick yeah. and then obviously from getting seriously ill. Yeah. It's once we all get to the point where the herd immunity takes over, where the masks can come off and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, it's, but like, you know, it's just like, I got to protect people still after I get vaccinated. Yeah. Not uh, going to bars and sitting close <laughs> together. And look, you and your group sit close together. That's fine. The problem is there's another group of eight people sitting right on your back. Also yeah. sitting close together. And it's it's not about you. It's just about everybody, and they're all dumb. And once again, I pray to a God I don't believe in to just evolve this virus to kill <laughs> 60 or 70% of these people, me included, honestly. On, at this point, I don't know why I still pray to be the zombie survivor when I should well, just pray to be the one wiped out in the first wave so I don't have to worry about it. Rob, don't give up too quickly because we have something coming up this week. It's opening day. And that means sports ball. Real quick, because we're going a little long. I was going to give Roberto uh, <laughs> uh, props on hitting the post, and it reminded me of uh, hitting the post on the video this weekend, where uh, <laughs> right as the camera shut off. Oh, yeah. Nice. yeah. Good post work, though. Good job, Roberto. Almost I, producing. I always like how he's uh, doing the... Uh, uh, the conductor like the dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yes it's like uh looking at dunamel over here well to be fair uh we've uh never heard that uh jingle <laughs> before so it's good to know when it's uh gonna be up so uh so came up on me i don't know how because <laughs> it's always like you know april eh, eh. up until last year where it wasn't <laughs> it was almost always yeah. <laughs> uh but uh opening day it's Thursday yeah. in Boston. Yeah. We got we got the first official real baseball of the season going on. Are you getting drunk? I doubt I'm going to get drunk, but I think I will uh I will watch it at home and maybe have a beverage or two. Okay. But cuz by the way, we're also sneaking up on uh May the 5th. Yeah, I know, god. Mm. I was hoping that that would just uh go away forever, but I guess it won't. No. <laughs> um and I don't want to remember it for People's birthdays, so I got to remember <laughs> for, for the personal pain that it causes you. <laughs> um, 
Orioles, uh, Orioles are going to be starting in Boston, uh, and then going to New York before the home opener in Boston or against the against Red Sox, Boston. yeah, in Baltimore. Um, how are you feeling about this uh, Orioles upcoming Orioles season? So, uh, I mean, we uh, we said goodbye uh, to Felix Hernandez. Yep. Um, we had a we had a polite a uh, mutual parting. We're gonna let you resign rather than get fired. Yeah, kind of uh, it was that what it was. <laughs> yeah, I felt like uh, the announcement from Felix was a little bit like that girl uh, who's just like, "Nah, I broke up with you." <laughs> uh, but and I, I only say that girl because in my life it's been the girl. So the Orioles made a couple signings in the offseason that we we made mention of here on the podcast of Felix Hernandez and Matt Harvey mm-hmm. uh, with the thought being that if either one of these two guys was anything like the heights that they had before 2012 that they would be very productive members of our pitching staff uh, Matt Harvey has been coming in and throwing high 90s fastballs and looking good that was apparently. the other thing when I heard Matt Harvey might be the second arm yeah. in our bullpen or number in, uh, two in the st- rotation I'm like oh it's gonna be a bad year all right but uh, apparently good things looking good so let's see I you know what I wouldn't know because uh <laughs> even though I pay for MLB TV Can't the watch. lack of spring training games this season <laughs> like okay just real quick it's this fucking easy we we live stream every single week yep just get a fucking camera Put in a goddamn seat. I don't need commentary. I don't need scoreboards. I don't need anything. No. Just put a fucking camera in the seat and point it at home. Play. And fact, let me watch. Let me watch furniture movers hit baseballs. I I, I don't need. I, I'm a very simple man. Like I would I, argue, I, you might pay more to not have the commentary. Like I want the experience of being there. I don't want to hear these guys. I want to hear the announcers and the sparse crowd. And all I hits. want, is, all I want, is the bird sounds. Yeah, and the, the people around. Like somebody come out like, hey, come on, everybody. <laughs> well, I know as soon as you said bird sounds, I remembered uh, you've never been to a uh, spring training game. <laughs> Something that's uh, only some of us elite uh, fans have uh, experienced. So it's, uh, it's all right. Next year, I'm going to go to Arizona and knock out a whole bunch of them. Uh, of Orioles games? Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm, uh, I'm going to do I'm gonna do Cactus League. I'm going I'm to <laughs> tour all the Cactus League stadiums. It's not quite uh, uh, Not quite Sarasota. Florida. Not Sarasota. <laughs> um, the Sugar Sands of Sarasota. The Sugar Sands of Sarasota. <laughs> um. We've also talked about how the Orioles have a 0.0% chance of uh, making the playoffs, according to Baseball America. I don't think it improved. Uh, now it that, hasn't improved over the past few weeks. <laughs> now that now that we are at the uh, at the beginning of the season, do you, do you think that we uh, got a percentage point or two in your mind? Uh, so, uh, I always thought that was a little low, because uh, I it just, really? Yeah. Really? <laughs> Statistically zero? Really? Like. <laughs> um, now, uh, here's where I'll put it. We won 47 games two years ago. In a shortened season last year, we won 56 games? No. <laughs> we, there was only 60 games. So. Oh, was there only 60? Maybe that's what I saw. Uh, or maybe it was that we we won a higher percentage of the games. Hold on. I'll pull than it up. we did. I'll pull it up real quick. 47 out of 162 is a very low percentage, so I can't imagine it was that hard to beat. We would have had to win like 28 of them of a 60-game season. Okay, hold on here. Mm, yep. Uh, so I'll just 25 and 35. 25 and 35. Yeah. Which is better than 47 and one six or 47 and one twelve. Yeah. Fuck math. I can't. <laughs> that was on the fly. Uh, one fourteen, something like that. Anyway, I think I think we win more than 47. Yes. That's my that's my thought. And I I think we'll actually do better than we did last year. Um. Again, uh, I had some feelings about us signing 
2012 stars. But I also think that uh, that helps certain things like having aged people in the dug uh, the dugout. Um, Greg Zahn was our catcher for a while, <laughs> and we made going fun of way him. back. Yeah, we made fun of him a lot. But he was there when Weeders was coming up, and I think yeah. Weeders in a way became the catcher that he became because he had a guy who's like, listen, you got natural talent. I'm going to give you the journeyman catcher yeah. intelligence that you need to play the game better because catchers need a lot of physical talent, but they also need to be able to, to run Call a goddamn a game, yeah. game. So um, that's something he didn't have to learn on his own. He had a guy there. So is it is it good to have an elder statesman there to help your young team through? We're rebuilding now. It's a lot of young guys. I think it's helpful. So I think that, that we do better. Uh, also, I'm pretty sure that Chris Davis's agent actually filed the uh, the paperwork for the drugs this year. So that's good. Uh, we won't have to worry about losing him uh, 15 games from the end of the year. Um, so everything's turning up roses for us, honestly. And you can't do worse than 47. I, God, please, Orioles, you cannot do worse than 47. If, uh, if you're asking me, I'm giving a prediction of 68 wins this season. Oh, okay. That's bold. Uh, I, 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 I have, you know what, I, I, the way I think about it is, yeah. I imagine we're going to most, more often than not, win one out of every three games. Okay. We have a three-game set. We're going to win one. We're going to drop two. But I do think that as the season goes along, uh, I mean, obviously, we'll trade anyone of any kind of value. Uh, but uh, I, I think we will start seeing some of the young kids start coming up. And it'll, maybe around September or so, we'll start seeing, like, this, every once in a while, we'll win two of three, as mm-hmm. opposed to one of three. Uh, and that'll goose us a little bit at the end. It's, that's yeah. just my my general... It's not going to be a winning ball club. This is not... Uh, we joke about going to Vegas and putting 100 bucks on them to win it all. You never know. Uh, I mean, listen, we should we should do it anyway just for to be supportive fans. But The, uh, the 50% death <laughs> flu comes and kills <laughs> off everyone in the league other than the Orioles. Rob's new COVID variant all of a sudden takes over. Mm, come on, baby. Uh, but no, I, I, I mean, I, I would probably put it closer to 50, uh, 50%, winning 50% of the game. So what's at 81? Uh, and only because I have – what I've been hearing is uh, – seeing is that, like, the same six team names coming up again and again that there are like six very strong teams and a lot of teams are rebuilding. Now we don't, we play unfortunately two of the very strong teams yeah. a lot. And that's a problem. But if a lot of people are rebuilding, I think that's a, that's a, a coin flip every time you play them, which means you win one, you drop one. The middle well, game is always, uh, you're assuming we're going to drop more of those than we win. And I feel like we split those. We may split those more. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that if you're really asking me, uh, New York obviously is going to be competitive. Yeah. They're probably going to win the division. Uh, Tampa is always in it. Toronto seems like they're gearing up to to be a serious contender. Boston is a who knows situation because they were so bad last year. And yeah, I think they were on the list of like they may be in the mid rebuilding of like uh, I mean moving they, parts around. They're trying to get rid of money, so yeah. clearly <laughs> they're not like committed to buying the next piece that'll make them instantly better. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see, I guess. Uh, and you know, I, I imagine that they'll be a better team than we are because they have more. Yeah, I, I was looking at the, uh, the Yankees and the Rays as yeah. two teams that are really looking to make a push. I think this year. So let me ask you this: uh, just as a potentially getting back to the ballpark at some point this year, mm-hmm. uh, is there anything in particular you're looking forward to after a year of not going to the ballpark? This uh, will yes. be our final thought here. Yes, uh, uh, I would like to start out 
in the second inning, uh, top of the second break to the bottom of the se- or no, uh, bottom of the second break to the top of the third with some Boog's barbecue. And then uh, maybe round out the um, bottom of the sixth to the top of the seventh with a uh, crab mac and cheese dog. Mm. Don't care so much about the baseball because it's probably not going to be that entertaining. <laughs> but the, I the really getting miss, back to Camden Yards. Yeah. I really miss the, the Maryland food in general and yeah. the, the particular ballpark food uh, of those particular establishments. One thing I'm looking forward to that is, funny enough, not Orioles related, mm-hmm. is uh, I would like to uh, find uh, the first game I can between any team playing the Astros okay. anywhere close to I am not where going we to are. That game. And I am going to, hopefully it's like a Tuesday night, no kids. Just boomers. Have one, of those, have one of those fucking Rios nights. Yes. On the <laughs> yeah, see, I, I sat through those nights back in Baltimore, and I did it because it was my team. But you want to go, like, Talk about the the uh, Cardinals. I want to go. The, I want to go uh, head hunting. I want to go to Arizona and fucking yell at El Tuve. Just get fucking hammer drunk before the game, and then just like immediately, like they've done the opening announcements, and I'm sitting on the third base side. I'm like, Hey, El Tuve, you little fucking asshole. <laughs> Where's your Apple Watch? Bitch? Nine hours of this, baby. Get ready. <laughs> Next day, just horse and hungover. <laughs> Uh, in bed with Altuve, I'm like, oh, the <laughs> fuck this happened? <laughs> There's a trash can in the corner. It's real suspect. I don't know why that's there. I, oh, that thing looks like it's been banged a lot. <laughs> I'm not going to that game. Today, just so you know. I already know what the horribleness is going to come out of that. So, no thank Well, you. you know where you can find more horribleness. <laughs> <laughs> 365 days worth? Oh, the anthem.com. Corey to the anthem.com at the anthem on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the listener line 443-219-7595. What's that number again? 443-219-7595. Uh, you can find more on me at my website, CoreyBakerFilmmaker.com, Facebook.com forward slash CoreyBakerFilm, and at LegendCB5 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, you've heard it before, but <laughs> this week, a video. Assuming that Roberto doesn't drag me to Arizona at some point this week. <laughs> There will certainly be a video this week. Yeah, I'm not sure why a five-hour drive would derail your entire <laughs> week, but... Uh, I'm going to have to record it from the car. <laughs> so, Again, we took I'm on the way to Arizona. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, a vlog would be anything. It'd be I something. Listen, it's a road trip feature. Yeah, I, I dig it. Oh, is that all? Is that all you got? Yeah, that's what I got right oh, now. Oh, okay, all right. Well, I, I wouldn't be remiss because I felt like uh, we almost forgot last week. So I want to mention... Producer Roberto, thank you for joining us. You can find him uh, on uh, social media at R-T-O-A-Z-N. Uh, he is, of course, available for uh, acting work, uh, for ranch hand work, um, personal you better, security. You he, better you better get on him quick, though, because he's getting offers in. So. Yeah, a lot of offers. And I was going to say security work, but he just flipped those Crocs into non-tactical mode. So <laughs> not currently available for uh, security work. But those legs. Oh, boy, those legs. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, check him out, R-T-O-A-Z-N. Uh, he doesn't post on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, or on uh, TikTok, but you can find him on all those places and find the old content, mostly the stuff that I made him make. Uh, so you can find me uh, at uh, Roberto. <laughs> <laughs> Robert. <laughs> Cultural appropriation. Uh, <laughs> at Robert N. Cheek on all your social networks. Uh, you can find me on YouTube. Uh, the channel is Rob Cheek. Uh, and uh, new content. Uh, it took me... Four hours to shoot four weeks of new content on Sunday. Uh, So, yes, new stuff coming, updates, reviews, fun stuff. Come and join me there. You can always find more at robertandcheek.com with links to all the stuff that I'm doing, including the books, which are available on Amazon. Buy Rod's books. Thank you. And uh, if you'd like to join me 
always looking for new people to play with on Call of Duty, both Modern Warfare and Black Ops Cold War, especially zombies. Looking to play more zombies. And no one that I know will ever buy the game, despite the fact that they keep saying they're going to buy it. They just never do. And uh, so I'm looking for people to play with. So I, I would buy it, but uh, you have absolutely I'm not, no interest. I'm not really good at that sort of shit. I mean, I, we, I could teach you. Nobody I play with is good until they play with me. I've I never players good. I've never been good at those games. It's literally just pull the trigger. It's uh, it's it's bat and button smashing. I, I never like the I never like how the controllers are like flipped around. Oh, funny thing. I can set it up any way you like. There's no excuses. Wow. There you go. And that's fine. <laughs> Listen, I, you could tell these folks a week after week, I got new stuff coming. I get, if you just were honest with them and said, I don't want to make anything for you, then I can appreciate that. It's, it's at least it's honest. But uh, yeah, so that's well, all I have to. Well, I think we've done good here today. <laughs> we've done something. I don't know if it's good. Uh, but as always, we're two hours in <laughs> and 365 episodes. But as always, this is the O the Anthem podcast, part of the O the Anthem digital network. For Corey and Roberto and producer Brooks, who is really just cute on the job. On top of the game. Yeah. Uh, on top of the wire for the internet, not chewing on it, so that's good. This is Rob. Have a great week, everybody. Six, 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 the number of the beast. I really wanted to get into the Battle of Los Angeles discussion, too. And Hell and fire. And Nike's gonna sue. There is a there's how did all three of us have different interpretations of one <laughs> statement? Battle of Los Angeles. <laughs>